Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. But Father, I thank you so much that you are such a faithful Father. You're a faithful God and you delight in bringing healing to hearts that have been broken, hearts that have been hurt, hearts that have been uh, uh, insecure, tormented by all sorts of stuff. And tonight, God, we are asking by your Spirit to come and take this word. May it be like a a medicine to our soul. May it be like a, a healing balm, Father, to our hearts where we have not caught a revelation of you as our Heavenly Father. I pray tonight that, God, you would do surgery on us and that you would speak to us and that you would minister to the identity of every single one of us in this room. God, we love you. We honor you. We thank you, Lord, that uh, in every season of life, even when we find it hard to see your goodness, your goodness is still there. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us open our eyes to see you as you really are tonight in your word and in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. I want you to go with me to Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. And I'm going to read through to verse 17. And I'm going to talk about Uh, just as I read, um, just an encounter that Jesus has with his father as he comes up out of the baptism waters. And it says in Matthew chapter 3, verse 13, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. Behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am. Am well pleased. Tonight, I want to speak on the subject of healing the orphan heart. Healing the orphan heart. For many years, I really didn't understand relationship with God as God is my heavenly Father. And that was revealed to me several years ago, actually, when I was still pastoring Activate. And I remember one Father's Day. Uh, one of my spiritual fathers, David McCracken, came and he spoke on the fatherhood of God. And as he began to speak on the father nature of God, I realized that I didn't relate to God, particularly in my prayer life, as my heavenly father. I related to God as my Savior through Jesus Christ and what Jesus has done on the cross. I related to God as my sanctifier, as my empowerer through the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Spirit and and the Holy Spirit being poured out on Pentecost. But I really struggled to relate to God or even use the terminology or language that God was my heavenly Father. And yet when the disciples asked Jesus, Jesus, teach us to pray. How did Jesus teach them to pray? He said, pray then like this, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. The very thing that Jesus came to do, apart from preaching the kingdom of God, was to actually present to us a brilliant picture of our 
of God as our heavenly Father. And so uh, you, you realize that one of the fundamental ministries that we have in the church and that I think preachers and teachers have in the church is to present an accurate, brilliant idea of who God is as our Father so that we don't operate or function as orphans in our spirits and in our identities and in our hearts. You see in John 5, 19 that Jesus draws our understanding of where the source of power comes from. It's in the context of our relationship with Father God. Jesus said, I can do nothing of my own accord, but only what I see the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. Now, I went and did a study of the term father, and you discover as you study it, that term that in the Old Testament, the father term only appears 15 times. But then you move into the New Covenant, the New Testament, the second half of the Bible, and you discover that the term father and the idea of father explodes 245 times. And whenever in the Bible you see a repetition of a phrase or of a concept or of a term, it is because God is trying to get our attention about the importance of what it is that He is repeating in our lives. You know, I've observed that I'm not the only one who's maybe wrestled with this whole concept because I see that many of us, in fact, all of us at some point, do not relate to God as our Father. Many believers attend church for any significant period of time, know the truth as like a cerebral concept in their head, but it hasn't gone down to their hearts as a revelation. And so many of us are attending church. We're putting our hands in the air and singing the words. We're, we're, we're nodding our heads and maybe saying amen at the right points in the message, but we're still operating as functional orphans because we don't have a personal heart encounter and revelation with the truth that God is our Father. I mean, I find it amazing that even Martin Luther himself admitted to the fact that while he was the father of Protestantism and while he had a revelation of Jesus and, and the atonement and what Jesus Christ did on the cross and the priesthood of all believers, Martin Luther admitted himself that he did not know God as his Father. He struggled with the idea. He wrestled with it because of his own broken relationship with his own father. You see, orphan thinking finds its source in our broken relationship with our earthly fathers in some form or other, particularly in childhood. It seems to me like many of us are like Luke Skywalker from Star Wars running around trying to get away from Darth Vader. Do you know that actually the term Vader in German means father, dark father, that literally you see in the movie Star Wars is this broken relationship between Luke and Darth Vader. And many people I know, even in the church, are trying to run away from their earthly fathers and their earthly parents because of the darkness that has come through the brokenness of their past and in family. So many families are wrestling with, a, with the brokenness of a fatherless home. In fact, David Blankenhorn, who uh, has authored a book on this subject, he says society's worst ills are a result of an increasingly fatherless society. He said some stats, one third, this is in Australia, one third of all children don't live with their biological father. 
He said teenagers are likely to commit criminal acts in a fatherless home. 80% of men in prison today grew up in a fatherless home. And teenage girls are more likely to be sexually active in a fatherless environment where their fathers are not taking a genuine, consistent interest in their lives. And so if your earthly father was maybe harsh and controlling, then you'll project that onto Father God and you begin to see God as harsh and controlling. No wonder we will hold God off at arm's length and arm's distance at times if our own idea and perception of our earthly fathers is influencing and filtering how we perceive Father God. If your earthly father was absent, you'll perceive that God as your heavenly father is absent. If your earthly father was passive or your earthly father was distracted from you in your life, then you'll, you'll, you'll project that. You will filter your relationship with God based upon the, the inadequacies, the insufficiencies, the brokenness of your own relationship with your earthly parents. And so this is what happens. Because of a void that is created in childhood, we overcompensate by becoming self-reliant. Are you with me tonight? We say, well, if my father is not going to do this or do that or engage in this way, then I've got to rely upon myself. And an orphan heart develops from the seed of self-reliance. An orphan heart sees itself as being alone in the world. And therefore, if you're alone in the world, you've got to fight for your honour and you've got to fight for your identity because you don't have anyone in your perception that's fighting on your behalf. I'm here to tell you today, the devil is a liar. The devil wants you to get isolated in your thinking and in your heart. He wants to try and distract you with the brokenness and the inadequacies of what you may and may not have received in your earthly uh, childhood and your home environment. But God is wanting to come and redeem a revelation in your heart tonight of who your father really is, of who God wants to be in your life. Because as long as you are fighting for honour and identity, you will not come into a place of security and rest in the Father heart of God that will bring a peace into your heart that will enable you to live the life that Jesus has come to make you live. Jesus said, I've come that you may have life, life in all of its abundance, life in all of its fullness that is found in a secure identity as God as your Father. This issue is compounded by the fact that from birth, we're taught to be self-reliant. Have you discovered that? I mean, we celebrate it when a child begins to learn independence from their parents and begins to learn self-reliance. But the amazing thing about the kingdom is that when we enter the kingdom of God, we have to unlearn our self-reliance. That's a true word right there. Because the more dependent on yourself you are in the kingdom, the more you shut off the supply line of God's power from your life because it's only in weakness that His strength is made perfect. It's only in the midst of the inadequacy and the contradiction that you discover the fullness of God's grace in your life. 
Grace doesn't come because you got it all worked out, because you're the most super talented person on God's team. It's not like God's scratch, you know, it's not like God is like, you know what, I really need you on my team because you've got it all together. I mean, the draft is coming up soon for the kingdom, and I need super talented individuals on my team. Here's the contract. This is the bottom line where you sign. None of us are fit to sign any contract to be on God's team in the kingdom. But thanks be to God, it's not about what you bring to the table that makes a difference in the kingdom. It's about you accepting the goodness and the grace and the love and the strength and the power that is available in a personal intimacy with Father God. And when you get that revelation, it changes everything about how you approach your life. We have got to unlearn our stubbornness and our self-reliance. My son, Joshua, my youngest son, he's eight years old now, but I tell you, he wants to do everything himself. I mean, absolutely everything. It started about five years of age and, and, and every task. Now I want to do this by myself. And you knew what was going to happen when he attempted it by himself. And I'm all for helping him to mature and grow and learn motor skills and independent skills. Walking is a helpful skill and, 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 and learning how to feed yourself. That's also a helpful skill. But generally, it would start with Joshua in the morning at breakfast. And Joshua would go to the cupboard and he'd pull out the breakfast cereal and he would misjudge the weight transference of the cereal into the bowl and all of that cereal would be all over the uh, kitchen bench and so his cup was running uh, full measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over. It's just pouring out everywhere all over the kitchen. And then he'd go and get the bottle of milk and the same thing. This, this time it's more messy. And, and now there's milk everywhere. And he looks up at me and he looks up at his dad. And, and he's like, Dad, I'm almost like, I should have asked you for help. And I'm there saying, son, I can help you with that. I can help you with this. The other day, he poured the entire bottle of fish food into the aquarium. True story. And there's fish food everywhere. The fish thought it was Christmas. And they're running around and they're pecking at the fish and I, I realized that the number one killer of goldfish is you overfeed them and so I'm running around crazy as normal as my panic mode is my wife's so calm and relaxed I'm like what do we do and Simone's like clean the aquarium oh that's right and, and so we go and clean the aquarium but I'm looking at my son Josh and I'm like your dad is here to help you and the more frustrated I become Holy uh, Spirit Father God stops me in my tracks and says that is just like you Corey because I come to you all the time and I say I can help you with that problem and I can help you with that project and I can help you with that issue. And you say, it's okay, God, I've got this all under control. Been here, done that, bought the T-shirt. I can work this thing out all by myself. And then I come a cropper and he's like, I was here. I could have helped you all along. And, and the more stubborn we are, the more we actually cut off the very grace, the very power, the very anointing, the very strength that we need to come into a place of security in our identity. It's so amazing that the only story we have from Jesus' childhood is in Luke 2, 52, 
where Jesus is with his family at the Passover in Jerusalem. Mum and dad decide to board the plane to get out of Jerusalem and go to Nazareth. They're on the plane. They look around. Where's Jesus? It's a bad day when you lose the Son of God, right? And so they're there on the plane and they can't find the Son of God anywhere. And so they're like, stop the plane. They run down the, the runway. They head all over Jerusalem until finally they come to the temple. And here's Jesus just twiddling his thumbs, talking to the scribes and the teachers of the law, having a grand old time. And they're like, what on earth are you doing? And what does Jesus say? Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? Didn't you know that I must be about my father's business? The very thing that we read in Jesus' childhood is Jesus, even at a young age, started to get a revelation that we need to get no matter what age we are is that God is our Father. And when you get that settled in your heart, it changes everything about your life. I think that's why in Matthew 18, 4, Jesus said, unless you become like a little child, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. What is it about a little child that attracts the heart of God? It's called humble dependence. A little child generally on the whole is quite naive, quite gullible, and will trust and believe whatever that, that parental figure, that guardian figure in that, their life will tell them. And Jesus says, I want you to take on the posture, not in childish ways, not in immaturity, but the heart of a child that runs to Father God and says, God, I find my value and my identity and my security in you. We need a paradigm shift in our culture where it moves from it all depends on me to it all depends on God. Let me tell you something. If it all depends on you, you're in trouble. If it all depends on me, my ministry and all that's happening right now, I am in big trouble, all right? Uh, we, 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 this thing won't last very long because I, 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 I'm committed to stuffing it up in my own flesh and my own strength. But because I know it all depends on Him, there is a grace and a strength that I walk in and that you will walk in that enables you to do things that people look at you and go, how is that happening? How is that working? How come there is favor and supernatural grace in that situation? Because it doesn't depend on you and it doesn't depend on me, but it depends on him. But unless I get a revelation that he is my father, I will still be stubborn in my self-reliance and will not release control. You see, living with an orphan heart is absolutely perilous. And unfortunately, it's rampant all over the place, even in our own lives, because it cuts off the supply line of God's power. When an orphan heart encounters suffering, it perceives that God is punishing them and retreats to a place of self-pity. An orphan heart, when it encounters the discipline of the Lord, Hebrews 12, will perceive that they've done something wrong and God is punishing them. And so they move to a place of self-pity and self-pity always shuts off the supply line of God's power from our lives. But Hebrews 12 says that unless you receive discipline, you're an illegitimate child. That the mere fact that you're a son or daughter of God means that regardless of whether you do anything or not, you are going to get disciplined. Why? Because God cares about your maturity. 
He cares about your character. He cares about what he actually has got for you and your calling and your purpose. And so coming into the discipline of the Lord should not make us feel like he's punishing us. God doesn't punish you. God disciplines and challenges you and prepares you in order to promote you into what he has for you. Paradox to the person who has a revelation that God is the Father is not is not punishment. It's actually an opportunity to upgrade our view of who God is and to recognize that God wants to show off on our behalf in the contradiction and the paradox. We've got to, when you get a revelation, when you know in your knower that God is your Father, contradiction and paradox is, doesn't mean you go into self-pity. It, it, it makes you curious and you go, I wonder how Father God is going to show off and turn this situation around. You live from a place of hope and faith. Not from a place of it's hard. Uh, Jesus said, my yoke upon you is easy and my burden is light. It's not like God is like placing heavy yokes. If you are living under a heavy yoke or a heavy burden, let me tell you, it didn't come from Jesus. See, I'm preaching tonight. It didn't come from, didn't come from the Holy Spirit didn't come from Father God, it means that you've stepped outside of the light and easy yoke and burden from the Holy Spirit and you've taken on your yoke and you've taken on the enemy's yoke and you've taken on something that you were never meant to carry. Release that heavy yoke and burden to God because God is not the author of it. But when you come into a place of understanding that God is your Father, it begins to create space for the power of God to begin to move on your behalf and begin to shift things in your life. I love the story of George Mueller. George Mueller was famous for his ministry to orphans. He had orphanages all over the place throughout Europe. And he would often find himself waking up in the morning with his family and 300 odd orphans and not knowing where the day's meals were going to come from. And George Mueller would gather all the orphans around, gather his family around and begin to pray. And instead of praying God beg prayers and God pleading prayers, he would pray prayers that acknowledged that God was our Father and that He was a good God and a good provider that would supply their need and they would pray and invariably all these crazy miracles would happen. It's like the milkman's cart would break down outside the orphanage, true story, and all this milk, they couldn't move anywhere so that the milkman would knock on the door and say, hey, do you have any need of some milk? And George Mueller would say, you bet we do. And all this milk would flood into the orphanage. Then the baker had come past and his cart would bust and he couldn't take his bread anywhere. And so he'd come and knock on the door and say, hey, does anyone need any bread? And this would not just happen one time. It would happen over and over again. Whenever there was a need, there was a commitment to acknowledge, God, you will provide. You are my father. You will not let us go. If the same God who's got you to this point has got you to this point, the same God God will get you to the next point, but you've got to come into a, an, an understanding that God is your Father. You know what some believers do? They suggest, well, let's just bypass the Father's heart and go straight to the power of God. Because if we just zap them and they just fall out under the Spirit and there's just a, 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 a Holy Ghost goosebump encounter and they just all out under the power of God, that'll solve everything. But have you discovered that we've been zapped and zipped and goosebumped and fallen out and, 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 and you know, come back up again and go back down again and, and we've all had it and, and, and yet there's still problems in our lives? Have you, have you discovered that? 
that the power of God is so precious, but it's not just necessary. You cannot bypass the Father's heart and go straight to the power of God. You see, the source of the power of God is the Father's heart. Simon Holly says this, it is not possible to sustain the power of God while living as functional orphans. Why is that? Because an orphan heart has not experienced the fullness and the authenticity of the Father's love and power can only be sustained in the context of the Father's love. That's why if you are in a church environment, or you're in a season where you're only focusing on the power of God and you don't understand a revelation of the Father's love, eventually you'll blow yourself up and you'll blow others up because true power is only supposed to be realized and recognized in the context of love. That's what 1 Corinthians 13 was written for. Not for weddings. I know we do it and we love it. And it's awesome. And if you've read it and done it, awesome. Knock yourself out. Go for it. But all I'm saying is, is 1 Corinthians 13 is sandwiched between 1 Corinthians 12 on spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians 14, prophecy in tongues, in order to help us to understand the context in which the power of God is to be released out of our lives. Let me tell you, 1 Corinthians 13, 2, it says, If I have prophetic powers, if I understand all mysteries and have all knowledge, and if I have faith to remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. I'm absolutely nothing. Don't get me wrong, I can hang from the chandeliers with the best of them. And let me tell you, I'm all for the power of God. Anyone who knows me knows that that is for real. But I also know that I only grow in a revelation of His power according to my revelation of His heart. Because power is a fruit of the Father's heart. You see, when you get a revelation of the Father's love for you, it transforms your approach to life. No longer do you see God as a taskmaster that you have to, you know, constantly come and check if his emotions are okay and you're doing the right thing. No, you see God as a God who loves you, who calls you into purpose and destiny, whose yoke is easy and his burden is light. No longer do you see God as someone that you've got to seek approval from him or from others because you already have his approval. You already have his affirmation just the way you are. No longer do you begin to get insecure around people because he who is intimate with God can never be intimidated by man. Why on earth would you be intimidated by the creation when you're relating to Father God? So often we get intimidated around people and we compare ourselves and our inadequacies and our weaknesses with others or even our strengths and it only results in one of two things, either pride because you assume a position of superiority over people or condemnation, self-condemnation because you feel inferior to people. But when you come into a revelation of the Father heart of God, you can be confident and humble at the same time. You can be secure at the same time as launching out and stepping out in faith and risking things you can embrace the paradox and tensions that often exist in the kingdom why because your faith rests in the father heart of God do you know a church that is led by a father is very different to a church that's led by a CEO God has not called the church to be led by CEOs, not called the church to be environments that are about building empire and organizations he's called the church to be a family it doesn't mean it can't get big. It doesn't mean there isn't processes and systems. It doesn't mean that there aren't checks and balances. But what it does mean is that there's a mum and a dad who loves the people. 
And that is not dependent upon age. It's dependent upon call. It's dependent upon maturity. It's dependent upon the anointing that is upon them. That's why when I was 27, we planted. There were people in their 50s and 60s having marriage problems coming and sitting down in front of me saying, can you please help us work that out? And apart from being totally intimidated and totally insecure at that time, as I came into a revelation of the Father's love, although I may not have had the same experience as them, I could speak into that because I was carrying something called the Father's heart for people. And whenever you find a church like this place that carries the Father's heart for people, you stay in it and you plant yourself in it because there's a health there. No matter how small, big or in between it is, it will be something that over a period of time will grow and be a blessing to people, whatever measure of grace is on the house. Why? Because everything in the kingdom grows through the Father's heart. He's building a family, not Uh, 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 an organization he is building mom and dad and sons and daughters and brothers and sisters and aunties and uncles and cousins and kids he is building this kingdom this church into a family when Jesus Christ was baptized interestingly the Bible says that the heavens were open I wish I was there man the heavens were open And the Spirit of God descended like a dove, may not have been a dove, but like a dove, and remained upon Jesus. And in that moment, everyone is like transfixed upon Jesus. And the Father bellows out of the cosmos Jesus' birth certificate and reads it to the universe. I love the Father. And He's like, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Now, hang on, just check this for a moment. Jesus hasn't preached a sermon yet. He hasn't healed the sick. He hasn't raised the dead. He hasn't cast out a devil. He has not done anything that they teach you in Bible school. You've got to do before you're officially ordained and you've got it all together and you've worked it all out. And yet Jesus had the affirmation of his Father. He had the security. He had the identity. He didn't need to perform in order to get identity and affirmation from his father. Some of us only feel the affection, approval and affirmation of others based upon our performance. So many preachers and pastors I know only feel like unless everyone turns up the altar, call, unless, you know, like the, the church splits in two, like the Red Sea and there's miracles breaking out, that, that God isn't happy with them. Well, let me tell you, you'll be on an emotional roller coaster all your life if you have to have it all in your, working out in your business and in your marriage and in your body and in every area of your life for you to feel the affirmation of your Father because that's not life. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. But I have overcome the world. Jesus' identity wasn't found in the opinions of others. His own performance but in the revelation that God was his father. Don't fight for honour. Don't fight for promotion. Rather rest and find your identity in the security of the finished work of the cross. When Jesus said it is finished, it really is and was finished. In fact, the Bible says in Ephesians 1.5, in the Father's love, listen to this, He predestined us for adoption as sons and daughters of God. You have been predestined for adoption as a son and daughter of God. We were separated, divided, 
far away because of our sin, but because of the finished work of the cross, we're now reconciled. We're now seen as a son and a daughter of God. Now, how do you receive healing from an orphan heart? If you're listening to this message tonight, you're saying, you know what? God, you're speaking to me tonight. I'm wrestling with this seed of self-reliance. I'm wrestling, searching for a place to belong, searching for a mentor or a coach or someone who can be like my father or my mother. It's the, the cry, the desire of an orphan heart. If you are wrestling, if you are needing healing from an orphan heart, how do you get that healing? First step, you acknowledge it. You simply acknowledge it. What does the Bible say? Confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. Do you realize that the first step to any healing in your life is your will confessing? Your will acknowledging, I wrestle with this. I struggle with this and I need help from this because until you acknowledge it, until you confess it to yourself, you don't get set free from it. It's not just about confessing it to the Father. The Father already knows what you're wrestling with. It's confessing it to yourself, not trying to masquerade this thing and, and, and put it up as I've got it all together. It's just saying, God, I acknowledge I've been self-reliant. I've suffered from an orphan spirit. But many of us are just willfully running off into the crowd of life, trying to make it ourselves, trying to do it on our own. We're a bit like my middle son, Zach. I took the kids to the Royal Melbourne show years ago and we're there and there's so, so many uh, people there, thousands of people. There's noise, there's lights, bells, whistles, sirens. And, and for uh, a, a fleeting moment, my son, Zach, decided that he wanted to go and check something out. And I knew what was going to happen. I said, Zach, do not run away from us. Stay close to us. And he willfully, rebelliously said in his head, I'm going. And so he goes and he runs. And, he, 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 and we're trying to look for him through the crowd. And for 15 minutes, we'd lost Zach. And, and I knew what he would have been going through. I knew he wouldn't have meant that. But there was something in his will that wanted to do what he wanted to do. And as his father, I'm starting to get desperate because I don't want to lose my son in the crowd and all the images and this and that are going through my head. And I start to run around the Royal Melbourne show and I'm yelling out Zach's name. Zach, where are you? Zach, where are you? Zach, come back to dad. Zach, where are you? I was getting desperate. I didn't care who was watching me. I didn't care how silly I looked. I was his father and my son was lost. And even though he willfully ran off, as a father, I went searching for him. And all of a sudden, after 15 to 20 minutes, my son, Zach, ran through the crowd with tears in his eyes, ran up to me, threw his arms around me and said, Dad, I could hear you calling out my name. I could hear you calling out my name. And there was something within him that came back and acknowledged his dad and his father. Dad, you actually knew better. I'm sorry. In that one statement, Dad, I could hear you calling out my name. In the tears in his heart, he realised that his willful disobedience in that moment, he may not have articulated as that. I may not have articulated like that in that moment, but we both knew what was going on. And so many of us are like my son, Zach, that we run off into the world and we think we know better than God. And we think we know better than our, and the advice and wisdom of mentors and coaches and people around us. And we willfully run into the world and we think we've got it all worked out until we get so lost and so blinded 
and such a wrestle in our hearts that we find ourselves searching for identity, searching for the Father's heart, searching for a place to belong. And I'm here to tell you tonight, stop running. The Father's heart is here. His arms are wide open. When Jesus died upon that cross and stretched His arms out upon that cross, it was the Father saying, it's okay to come home now. It's okay to come to a place of security and identity in a relationship with Father God. Jesus made the way for us to no longer have an orphan heart but for us to be sons and daughters of God. And here is what Jesus said just before He ascended to the Father. In John 14, 18, Jesus said this, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. What was He talking about? He's saying, I will send the Holy Spirit to you. He will remind you of the truths of the Father heart of God and even the role of the Holy Spirit, not just Jesus, The role of the Holy Spirit is not to simply sanctify you, empower you, give you goosebumps. The role of the Holy Spirit is to present such a brilliant idea of who the Father is that you just keep running back to the Father. Every moment you're tempted to fight for honour, fight for identity, wrestle with your insecurity, you come back into a place of the Father heart of God and you say, God, you are my Father. I'm living with these seeds of self-reliance, this orphan heart. Would you come and heal my heart? Would you come and make me whole? Would you come and stitch me up? Would you come and mend me? Would you come and heal? And that is exactly what Father God wants to do tonight. And so I want to invite you right now to stand to your feet. And I want to pray for people in this place tonight that you say, you know what? I needed to hear this message. Stand to your feet. I needed to hear this message. I need to be healed in my heart from an orphan spirit from an orphan mindset, from an orphan approach to life. You are not destined to live life according to your own effort, your own hard work and your own self-reliance. The world will tell you that because the world operates outside of a revelation of the Father heart of God. All the motivational self-help success philosophies will tell you it's about your hard work. It's about your effort. It's about what you've done. But the gospel of Jesus Christ is about what He has done. It's about what the Father has done. He's done the heavy lifting. He's made every provision for you. And now we just need to come to Him and accept it. I want to invite you right now. Why don't, as we sing in this moment, you just get out of your seat, come and stand. We're going to pray together. And we're going to believe that God is going to come and heal orphan hearts in this room. I'm there with you. So come on, why don't you come as we sing and let's lift it up. We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website, www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.